powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction, NHL, NBA, MLB, March Madness, and so much more. It's bananas. Play pinata picks and minute madness. Exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code you see at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, Oilers fans, you almost saw Darth Dennis and Darth Zach, but we alive, we win. The Oilers take it 5-4 over San Jose. I don't even know what to call that game. It, it was a shit show, but in the best way possible. Zach, what did you think? Oh, that, that was like the stupidest game ever, <laughs> but like the absolute funniest way you could win. Like, honestly, that was some Twilight Zone stuff going on. Every single possible outcome was just the most random outcome throughout the game. Everything that was happening, you're like, what the hell? Like, literally, Jeremy Kupal saved almost as many goals as Jack Campbell. Like, Dude, Jeremy Kupal scored a hat trick. He took away three goals. There were four disallowed goals this game. The Oilers definitely came out sloppy and there were a ton of things that obviously we can get into deeper but just looking at like this overall picture of the game the story of this game starts and stops with goaltending you had one guy on one end who played way better than he should have he kept the sharks in it for large stretches of the game and you had another guy on the other end of the ice who was just praying and hoping the puck hit him. He was sliding all over. He looked frantic. He, no one knows what kind of style Jack Campbell plays. And in a game where Jack Campbell, you know, Sharks hit two posts, CC clears one off the goal line, they have three goals disallowed, still allows four goals in. That gives you up to a total of nine pucks that beat Jack Campbell in some way or another tonight. Not the best showing, but again, you knew coming into this game, he was going to have to, he was going to give you a performance like that. Like when the Oilers were down 4-3, before they were pressing, I didn't even find myself that angry. I kind of expected, I just knew that, you know, me, not every shot, they're not gonna have this crazy shooting percentage all the time. And sometimes, you know, the other goalie's gonna stop step up and stop a few pucks when he has to. And when you have Campbell in net, right? You gotta score above like significantly above the league average to win, right? Yeah. So I'm- yeah. Here's the contrast, right? This game ended up being 5-4 in in overtime, right? Contrast that with last game. We won 6-4 against Seattle. But if you look at the goaltending of Stuart Skinner against the Kraken and the goaltending of Campbell against the Sharks, there's a reason why there's just no faith in the guy right now. Soup is he's ice cold, unbelievably cold, but this is San Jose. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if next game on Wednesday against the Coyotes, we see Campbell again. Yeah. If you need to score seven, like you could do it. It's so tough. It's so tough. Like, and and we can get into this later, but like Coyotes are good at Mullet Arena. Campbell playing about as bad as you probably can. Are you okay with throwing those points away is what it essentially comes down to. But we we can get into that later. It's tough, right? Now, I just wanted to interrupt uh, because... We got 16 likes already. Normally, yeah. we got to hammer that in, but we're already starting the show, and it's got 16 likes, 30 people watching. Let's hammer a like goal of 54. Let's do it. It's a 5-4 game. Again, like this is incredibly sloppy, 
but it's sloppy in the way that you you're entertained as a fan, right? If you're an Oilers fan, you know every single game the Oilers might just absolutely be dog water. And if they wake up for 20 minutes and decide to just light up the opponent, they will win. This is in a game where McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, they did not score. The big dogs did not score. Kane didn't score. Before this game, we were looking at what? Like Kane at 299, Dreisaitl at 298, and McDavid at 297. That was supposed to be the big narrative. It's Seattle or it's uh, San Jose. They're bad. You're supposed to be able to put up a ton of points. You're supposed to be able to score a bunch of goals. So maybe they break the record. They have three guys hit 300 goals all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once the first period started and that first stinker of a goal goes in, uh, like Barabanov, I think, scored that first one. Just yeah. an ugly, ugly rebound. Well, the goal before it was really soft. You could see Campbell get down on himself. The one that got called back uh, from being offside, like beat Campbell clean. He was down and you could hear the crowd. The crowd was not having it. I know you tweeted they were yelling soup, but to me, it definitely sounded like he was getting booed. It sounded like like everyone who paid money to go to this game was not in the mood to watch a Jack Campbell letting five, six, seven, whatever goals. But Wishful thinking. <laughs> but the, the, the funny part is... Um, Oh my God, where was I going with that? When he, when Campbell, yeah, you call me, you call me, I'll call me off track. But um, when Cam, when Campbell makes the first save, you hear the crowd really get into it and really start trying to pull him up because the first save they made, I believe I heard a Bronx cheer right there. Um, and yeah, that was, I was not happy. Like coming in, I almost felt bad because you could just see the soul come right out of Campbell when he lets in that first goal. Like you could just feel how down on himself he gets. And I know people are going to sit in the chat and say, oh, where was the defense? Where is the defense? Guys, I'm sorry. This, there was like, yes, there were defensive miscues, but every defensive miscue should not end up in the back of your net. Every time there was a lapse in the Oilers' judgment or a player beating Oilers to a puck, it seemed like it was in the back of the Oilers' net. If we look at the end of the game on natural stature, the Oilers had 17 high-danger chances for, the Sharks had 10. That is significant. The Oilers outplayed the Sharks where it matters. The Sharks were getting not high-quality chances or not a lot of them. They were converting on every single one. They're expected... The Oilers had almost seven expected goals. That's like unheard of. The Oilers played really well. The Sharks had only three expected goals. Campbell's goal saved above expected. This game was horrible. Horrible. But here's the thing. I, I think if you if you look at the actual game itself, right, you remember there were a ton of times in the second period where Sharks just got in on two-on-ones. Sharks just got in on breakaways, right? Like the the Carlson goal, the Lorenz goal, the, those two were brutal because it was literally a breakaway. And for both of those situations, I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Nurse and CC pairing being yes. completely out to lunch. Like, no... I don't even understand how they thought they were covering anyone, but yes. I digress. You you wanted you're, to, you're, to you're make right. a point. You're right. You're right. That, C- that goal where CC was far in the corner with Nurse and they left, I think it was Bugstad in front or Drysdale or someone in front to defend. Like, yeah, 
absolutely atrocious. And wise Kyle, that goes to your point. There was some bad defense in this game. Do not get me wrong. But even when Skinner's in that, every breakaway does not end up as a goal. On the Lorenz goal, yes, it was amazing hand-eye for him to knock it in. But Campbell made the first save. There, yeah. Where's the rebound control? Hold on to the puck. Bring it in. Mm. Like, like, if the puck hits you and then it goes back out on a breakaway, I'm sorry. I'm going to say that goal is your fault. Yes, that play shouldn't happen in the first place. But hockey is a game of mistakes. Mistakes happen. If we went through every single Campbell game and every single Skinner game, there's a reason Campbell is like proven by whether you want to look at advanced stats, whether you want to look at safe percentage goals against every single metric, air eye test. Points to Campbell being bad. It's not yeah. just some inexplicable, oh, well, geez, the Oilers don't play defense when Campbell's in net. And it's funny because the broadcast, every single time, oh, they they like the, there was not one mention of Jack Campbell. Every save, they, got, they could shoot it from 40 feet out into his chest protector, and they will say, oh, wow, great, great save, great positioning by Campbell. They'll point it out, they'll make sure to point it out. Because then you have a lot of casual fans who are watching and just hear that and say, oh, you know what? They, they're doing it. He's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. But if you really hunker down and you turn off the volume and watch Jack Campbell or read about Jack Campbell or anything, they're stoppable shots. This first yeah. goal that was allowed was that rebound. He kicks out right to Bear Vanna. Like, where is the rebound control? Every goal you follow, whether it's Kevin Woodley, whether there's some amazing Oilers fans falls on Twitter like Tyson Monroe or Oil and Goal, they all... Everyone unanimously unanimously talks about the guy's positioning. He cannot play right now. He's having an awful season. But here's the situation, right? You're you got five years of this guy. Maybe he'll turn it around. He had a rough off season, whatever. He's he's not going to be the one making excuses for himself. We know that from him. You know, he said pre-game today, I think, uh, Something along the lines of, you know what, practice is practice. You know, there's only so much you can get from practice. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do what I can. It's just a part of, you know, confidence. It's something about the way he's moving. His lateral movement is slow. He's pushing off really slow. I don't know what's wrong with him because at least it didn't look like he had the the same glove problems from earlier in the season. He changed the glove. That's definitely on. I have a question for the chat because I know Wise Kyle believes with his whole heart that Jack Campbell has it. It's just the Oilers' defense. And uh, you know what? I respect your opinion, but I disagree. I have a question for the chat. If Jack Campbell was in net for the 3-2 win against Boston, do the Oilers win that game? They played phenomenal defense in that game. Okay, but it, was, it no, is, I, I want to know from the chat. Do they win that game? It is impossible to like hand pick things. For, so, for example, the game where they were playing in Boston, that was a mentality where they came in, they wanted to try and limit as much as possible. And you saw that from the get-go, this Oilers team tonight did not come into this game with that mindset. Like, they were trying to just coast in against a bottom, like just an absolute bottom dwelling team and trying to to outscore their lights out. There were so many sticks earlier on in this game where it was guys reaching in, bending over, trying to like stop a puck from going off the boards and forcing another icing. Oh. It it was brutal. But let, let's be honest, right? And I, I see, I see wise Kyle in chat. I'm going to jump in bad. front of it. <laughs> I'm going to jump in front of it right now. Okay. We are rough on Jack Campbell because of his play. I I want him that to succeed. That is it. There's, there's nothing who against the person. Jersey, I want him to succeed. 
Yeah. The problem is when you watch someone that's struggling as hard as he is, it's really hard. And listen, there's people that are throwing out all sorts of scenarios to the offseason. The best case scenario, the absolute best case scenario, because I think it's a little too late this season for Jack Campbell, is him to go work on his game with whoever he believes. I know they called uh, the guy in Toronto, what was his name? Dusty Emu was the quote-unquote Jack Campbell whisperer. If Go work with Dusty Emu. Go revamp your game. Go back to your basics. Work on your movements. Work on your positioning. And come back and be a 905 goaltender. That happens. It is absolute best case scenario for the Oilers. 905 goaltender, they'll win a lot of games. Like Campbell's what, 888, 886, and they he still has won like 18 games this season, right? Like well, like you, you look at it, right? And tonight on a night when he was beat a lot, he was well, 875, right? Can I say one more and, thing? Sorry. Yeah, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, just to wait, watch that. And you know what? We, now I feel like an asshole. But I <laughs> okay, still, let, let, I let me let me. Want... We never read Wise Cow's comment, so let me read oh, yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. So, so audio listeners or non-live listeners mm-hmm. will get the context. I'll let you do that. Uh, Wise Kyle, yes, they win against Boston. I could be biased as Jack is my cousin. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now let me also say I have I came in and I tore apart Jack Campbell's game in the first and second whatever. In the third period, I know there was a goal disallowed. And more importantly, in overtime, doesn't matter how he did it. It was. It reminds me a lot of like Jonas Gustafsson. Just somehow, some way, he's coming up with the big saves. He stopped every puck San Jose put on him in overtime, allowed for the Oilers to win the game. Because we all know if it went to the shootout, we can all say doesn't matter what mentality, they were not going to win. We're going to so, see a Leon Slapper if that was the case. Exactly. It was going to be a Leon Slapper at the boards and... <laughs> and yeah, but 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 I digress. We we can we've harped on Jack Campbell for a lot. I'll let you say what you want to say, and then we I think we should we can move on. Campbell. Look, let's <laughs> let's be honest. We have two more games against the Sharks. If if every game goes like this, but we're locked into a playoff position, there's there's no flexibility in terms of like racing for uh, you know matchups in the divisions. Then fine, let's just have a shootout because at that point the points don't matter. It's just like whose line is it anyway? The game's made up. The points don't matter anyway. Let's get to the postseason. But in this scenario, we we are trying our damnedest to catch up to first off LA who's again doing fantastic they blew out Calgary tonight six to two Uh, I think it's not quite over yet but it they are an absolute machine and I am scared against play of playing LA but that's a team that we're trying to catch right now in the standings if we both win tonight that's two points for each of us no effect on there at all and we're also trying to catch up the the ex- chance exists to catch up to Vegas but i think Vegas is like eight points like four, six points they're yeah, a little well, bit ahead there's a there's a chance LA passes Vegas and it ends up being an Edmonton Vegas first round like i think all yeah. three scenarios are pretty likely like i don't think la and everything is necessarily a lock i think the especially because there was a lot of head-to-heads in the pacific we're gonna see some movement in the standings one guy i need to highlight tonight um for how he played i don't think he showed up on the score sheet beyond maybe an assist tonight uh was the play of ryan nugent hopkins Mm -hmm. he was around it everywhere reimer came up huge numerous times stopping him he had thing in the second period there were like a three minute stretch where nugent hopkins was in tight had a glorious glorious chances and reimer just came up huge Ryan reimer, hopkins, g- hold on 
Well, yeah, Reimer yeah. gave Nuge the fucking reach around. And yeah, I don't no, know how that no. is not a penalty. The that, ref is five feet away. After the, Man, the jokes wrote themselves after what just <laughs> transpired. Like, oh my god. The, the James Reimer coming out and doing that after what he did? Oh man, he is going uh, to get flamed uh, uh, even more than he already has and deservedly so, I might add. But Ryan Nugent yes. Hopkins tonight I should say, was on the ice for nine high-danger scoring chances for the Edmonton Oilers and just one against for the San Jose Sharks. Like, in how much ice time did he get tonight? It looks like at 5-on-5, five five, he played 12 minutes. In those 12 minutes, he, the Oilers absolutely creamed the Sharks. Like, yes. not fair, not safe for work. It was disgusting. Leon Dreisaitl, like, man, this game just goes all over the place. Like, we that penalty you're talking about? Oh my god, I can't I can't believe it. the refs were brutal both ways. Like the Oilers definitely had a few missed trips, missed calls. There was the one early in the game. It kind of set the tone when Hyman gets interfered with in the offensive zone, falls over, and there's just nothing. But this goes to show how bad the refs were. Like think about yeah. it, nine times out of ten, these offsides weren't just little like oh the stick like little millimeters were doing. You're talking about Noah Gregor being significantly offside on a two on one. How did the linesman not see that? You know what I yeah. mean? Like I think the ref and crew entirely was completely off their game tonight. It was ridiculous. It dude. was so bad. And and like you don't want to harp on the refs because we won and there were three disallowed goals. Oh. Like they, they made the right calls upon review, but you just don't want to have to challenge the a mistake for mistakes. Like in one game, that is a red flag, man. That is a red flag for the league. And there's a reason mm -hmm. why the NHL's refereeing is it's a joke, right? Like in the NBA, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of crossover between them. There was an egregious call, you know, a, a week ago uh, with, um, I think it was the Celtics. Yeah, I, that, I've been just so hyper-focused on the others. I haven't paid it was, that much attention to the NBA. I think it was LeBron and the Celtics. There was a huge, huge mis mishap, essentially 100% interference, but they didn't make the call. The refs came out afterwards and... After the game, they said they have to have accountability because they have like a little interview session afterwards. Mm -hmm. They said, "Hey, we we fucked oh. that one up." Yeah, and they it, got the two minute report for the refs, and they they, they the the NBA that holds the refs accountable at least. Exactly, right? they came out and they said they fucked it up. We can't change the score. the The game is 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 done. Yeah, you know, there's no changing the outcome. We're not going to give away free points willy nilly. But we fucked it up. We'll hold hold ourselves accountable for that. We'll try and be better next time. That's all the NHL really has to do. I, I don't know if this is a bad joke or not, but if the NHL ever did a, a, a ref report, it would be like it was written by the CCP. It'd just be like, oh, good here. <laughs> nothing nothing going on. Nothing to see here. Refs did a great job. <laughs> there is no Warren Bossing say. Yeah, exactly. Like, there, it, it doesn't... I, I hate talking about refing, especially when we won, because it, it mm -hmm. sounds like if you lose and you talk about the refing, you're a sore loser. If you win, and you talk about the refing, you're just you're being picky. You're being, you know, whatever. But it was bad. The fact that we had to go to the situation room four times in this game, it was bad. Yeah. Point. Well, yeah. And then and that goes to show just a bad job by the refs. Like call that at the time. Right. There is numerous, numerous instances. I know there was. 
That 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 the most egregious one is the rhymer. I don't even know what to call it. Vontez Burfick style tackle, like illegal. You can't even do that to quarterbacks now in the NFL. And all of a sudden you're allowed to do that in a <laughs> hockey game. That was like that was ridiculous. But yeah, like I think we agree. First period, Oilers definitely played sloppy. The second period, I want to give a little bit of credit here to Jay Woodcroft, someone who we kind of haven't talked about. The Oilers come out and they switch up the lines. They swap the centers. They have Nugent Hopkins playing with Yamamoto at center by McDavid. And then they have dry settle with Hyman and Kane, at least at the start. And I think that gave them their original boost. They get some goals on the board and that you kind of saw the pace pick up. The Oilers come out, they get a chance and right off the bat, the second period, Yamo scores goes to one. And then it was just this like for the second period it was like kind of ping pong back and forth. You had Steven Lawrence get the breakaway. Then you have the stupid nurse and CC, whatever they're doing. Carlson scores. And then you have Matthias Ekholm walk in, do the backhand beauty. What a trade pickup. Early front runner for the Norris next season. I know he doesn't have enough time this year, but I like his odds next year. And then right after um, Ekholm ties it up, San Jose comes back and Eric Carlson scores again. And we also do, like, we do need to also credit. Um, we also do. Future Oiler. To... Credit uh, Future Oiler. <laughs> I I can't believe this guy wise Kyle. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I know, I was hoping I was hoping you wouldn't get distracted. Yeah, no, I got distracted. <laughs> I, we got to credit Eric Carlson too, future Oiler. Um, and he he's just such a phenomenal player. He's such an elite talent. He's one. He's I think he's so deceptive in the way that you can get the puck and you expect him to hold on to it or make break a pass. But he's such a good skater. And he just goes flying up the ice, and that's how. So many odd man rushes were created for the Sharks, right? Like, I want to, Wise Kyle pointed it out earlier, I hate on, I never <laughs> hate on Boosh once in my life. Oh, this pull the tapes, pull the tapes, pull the tapes. I literally, I've gassed up Boosh since the day he was called to the podium 10th overall. So for, for audio listeners, <laughs> Wise Kyle has, has broken more news that he is also related to Evan I'm Bouchard. Disgusting. Bush on his mom's side and Jack Campbell on his dad's side. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Cody Cece or Tyson Berry. And I'd be like, fair, fair. But Evan Bush, <laughs> I might as well say Connor McDavid. Jesus. I can't believe it. Oh, man. Must have skipped the gene pool. If, yeah, if gene. that is if that is a uh, if that is a, a pun from our our, uh, yeah. our best man here, uh, Gene Principe, that is incredible. Um Okay, let's 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 try and get this back. Yeah, the Mickinator is in my back. Mickinator is in my back. Oh, Rob's commenting on my full beard. Yeah, Rob, I haven't oh. shaved in like two weeks. Not gonna lie. Essentially, tomorrow though, I do have haircut, shave, book. So tune into Game Over against Arizona on Wednesday. I'll be looking phenomenal, as will Dennis. I'm sure. But more importantly, I'll have a mustache again hopefully we'll see we'll see what the guy tells me this has all gone so far off the rails my friend oh my Dude, gosh lo- love in the chat to uh to moderator rob to producer <laughs> rob to editor rob <laughs> jack of all trades rob oh my um, guy. It, it, it's crazy okay this podcast has you're right completely <laughs> gone off the rails <laughs> yeah uh for the record you don't hate on bouchard Bouchard makes a couple mistakes, but that just happens. He's a younger guy, and he's being put. He's being asked to do a lot. No, okay. Bouchard makes zero mistakes. I think I said it, I said since Ekholm's gone here, I've on record go on my Twitter. I say they I've said they're the best pairing in the NHL. 
extremely biased. But even before Ekholm got here, I was like pro Bouchard, screw Barry. I I wanted them to pay to give up Tyson Barry, who is obviously worth more than that. But I I was so pro Bouchard. Oh my god, I feel like I I can't. This is like this is slanderous level. This is oh, horrible. Uh, okay. but no, all, it's all love. It's all love. I'm joking. Let's much much love here. Let's love. This is the thing. If you're an audio listener, if you're not watching this live. If there's an earlier game or something like that, jump into the chat because there's there's so much discussion going on in here. Yeah. As you can see, this is probably the uh, the most derailed we've ever gotten, but it, it, it's a fun time. Come watch uh, one of these game over Edmonton's live. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's get back into the discussion. Eckholm, yeah. Carlson, amazing job. And I wanted to bring up this point actually because I I was lucky enough to see the three stars. Now, of course. Three stars are usually not a serious thing, and they're just mm-hmm. kind of for fun. But the three stars of tonight's game are Ekholm first star, Carlson second star, Darnell Nurse third star. And it is wild to think that next season they could all be Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. I love it. I love it. Let's get that positive energy out there. Let's start pushing the propaganda now like we have been. Well, again, when we get into playoffs, and I'm I'm a nerd for transactions. I love player transactions. When we get into this final stretch, this is where you start getting that ramp up where you're just so jacked up. You're so ready for each game now because you're every game that passes, you're getting closer and closer to the playoffs and knowing your final matchup. And oh man, it, it's just so, so, so exciting. So yeah, I I want to talk about Carlson to you as much as the next guy, but I'm in my like two month stretch of the year where I'm like, okay, this is the, this is the time for, if you don't wear an Oilers crest, unfortunately, I I can't like you. I can't we're, like you. We're locked in. I, you know exactly. what? We play them. We play them two more times. I hope Carlson gets a, uh, gets a poopy game for those two games. Uh, just no goals and like minus seven or something like that. Maybe yeah. bring that trade value <laughs> down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And then we, let's kind of say, so the Oilers finish the third period, the second period, they go to the intermission, they're losing four, three, and Stoffer in the intermission gives them the shot totals they're going to need. And then halfway through the third period, they say, oh, the Oilers have only gotten six shots. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to we're going to we're going to get screwed. And then Noah Gregor scores, obviously Edmonton kid, Beaumont kid, Jason Gregor's nephew, uh, who was I'm sure was quite frustrated when the goal got called back for being off. Did you see his tweet? No, I didn't. Jason Gregor tweeted a one word tweet. Bullshit. Ah, <laughs> that <right>. was it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh yeah. Get fucked, Gregor. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and Travis says I think Ekholm was the better option. I think right now, yeah, Ekholm has yes. proven to be everything you could ask for and more. But how about both? How know? about both? Not one what? or the other. How about both? But <laughs> do you not like fun? <laughs> exactly. Stay on the rails. Um. But yeah, okay, but, no. Okay, so after the after the Gregor disallowed goal uh, once again for offside, there I think the Sharks started getting a little bit more dirty or chippy or however you wanted to call it because Yamamoto got tripped hard into Reimer and that that's a dangerous play right because he's going skates yeah. in Reimer obviously Carlson? he's down yeah Carlson sent him in and yeah. that that didn't get called uh, okay, I fine. I don't I, I don't know if that was on purpose necessarily I think Carlson. It could go on either way. I, I don't know, but Stick yeah, the, rest didn't, the rest didn't see it. And yeah, that was that was a, a textbook trip, regardless, yeah. trying or not to textbook. But yeah, and Yamamoto's obviously coming with speed, goes flying in there. Uh, yeah, right after, were mm-hmm. right after Derek Ryan, also the same sort of thing, crashing the net, but taken off of his skates. That's and this time, 
they did get the call. Yes. Um, nothing on the power play. play. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the power play tonight was not that strong. I believe Jack's been bringing up that stat where it's like every power game where they had at least two power plays, they scored at least one power play goal. I don't believe they scored a power play goal tonight, did they? Well, no, it, they went yeah, over no, 3 over tonight. 3. 0 for 3. Wow. And it, it wasn't even a. Um, they weren't even like disrupted power plays, four and fours, that things, things like that. It was full two minute power plays each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just no, no luck. Both, it, yeah, absolutely. Like the Oilers, yeah, Hyman had the post on the power play. Like dry settle at the end of the game on that on the. So the Oilers turn it on with about five minutes left, right? Like they turn it on, and then you see the contender come out, right? They're getting chances galore, and James Reimer standing on his head. Uh, they get Mario Ferraro's co- They're clearly under pressure. McDavid skates up the ice, has a really good shot. Reimer makes a toe save. The Sharks are clearly reeling, feeling the pressure. Mario Ferraro flips the puck over the glass. Every Oilers hand goes up in the air and they point up at the ice and all the Oilers go in the power play for, to, for the end of the game. And or this, I guess, would be after Ekholm had already scored to, to tie the game. But still, nevertheless, it's the same thing. This is when the Oilers turned it on. And you could see the Sharks just start reeling. Obviously, you should go back. I did skip over the Matias Ekholm tying goal. Slap shot from the shelf. That was a cleft bomb right from the same spot against the same team. And yeah, what can we say about Matias Ekholm? He is, and I was high on him, exceeded my expectations. Well, no one thought, here's the thing, right? When you think about Nashville Predators, star defenseman, Roman Yossi. So mm-hmm. that's why Ekholm kind of has, I feel like, gone under the radar for so long. And it, it's wild because maybe in the beginning, we we were already high on this guy game one, game two. But now he's starting to get more familiar. He's he's having some more you know consistent pairings. He's used to guys skating patterns, if you wanted to say it like that. And now he's able to find these gaps, right? Both goals he scored on was finding gaps in the defense. Um, obviously, on the second one, was uh, he was wide, wide yeah, open. Yeah, wide open. It was amazing passing. It was amazing passing, and Dreisaitl, you know, held onto the puck a little bit, and then he drew two guys to him, passed it off to McDavid, just a just a quick flip over to the forehand, and again, two sharks go after McDavid, and all of a sudden, Eckholm's just got all this free ice. And he wires one. Perfect. Perfect shot. And you see McDavid grab him and go, I fucking love you. And it was, they were elated. I, I, I were more excited for a goal against the Sharks than I honestly thought they were. But you could feel once they started turning on, once they started getting pressure on. One thing I just want to say quickly before we keep going and talk about overtime, I want to say what's up to Wilson. I always love when uh, fans of opposing teams uh, uh, join us. So happy to listen to you. Best, best Sharks effort in a while. I agree. You guys played really good. The Oilers played pretty bad and uh, they still squeaked out the win but yeah hopefully you guys are right in there getting bedard and i'm sure you'll be glued to your couch on the draft lottery i know back on april 18th 24 2015 and i was wilson and, yeah wilson says you gotta follow through and take ek65 from him oh, let's do it let's do have, it you don't have to tell me twice but yeah one more time <laughs> before we talk about overtime uh our like will set at 54 we need 20 more likes so if you guys haven't already go ahead smash the like button helps us out a lot subscribe to sdpn uh the more likes you get the better it is obviously for the algorithm and we can continue to grow continue to get bigger and continue to have more fun with you guys and man i gotta say i cannot wait for the playoffs but yes overtime comes i'm nervous Oilers have lost what eight in a row in overtime <laughs> it, it's been bad i don't know what happened between last season and this season 
three on three used to be a given, right? It would be a three Earlier on three overtime. Year. Earlier this year, even, yeah, like the Oilers going on a three on three overtime with McDavid, Drysaddle, Nurse. Yeah, the game's over. Turn off the TV. There's no point watching anymore. But yeah, something has happened to this team, or league wide, they've started to learn how to defend 3v3, something like that. Because it yes. is just, a, it is a ghost. Well, right when now. the Oilers play, there's definitely a lot of puck ragging until McDavid and Drassel get off the ice. Now, this overtime was different because they start out 19 seconds on the power play, then it goes to four on four. Then, so it's four on four. I think the Sharks were a little more lenient with what they were willing to give up, and the Oilers were creating chances at four on four. I was frankly surprised by the quality of chances they were able to generate at four on four. Then you could see when Reimer gets the puck. Reimer wants to keep it moving. Now, I feel like most other goalies would want to freeze it in that moment, get it back to three on three. But in Reimer's head, he knows he's playing the Oilers. He knows they don't want to have that three on three open ice. No free ice. And you could see him make a concerned effort to play the puck in overtime. And yeah, no, he he wasn't able to. Goes back down to three on three. You get McDavid and Drassel back out on the ice. And yeah, no, it was obviously history. There were chances for both ways. And again, like I said earlier, we got to give... Campbell credit. I was very worried in overtime, but he stopped every puck that came at him in overtime. And McDavid and Drassel definitely had their chances. They were on right up until the end. Like I was like, okay, they got to get off. They got to be exhausted right now. I don't know how they have any energy left in the tank. And then all of a sudden, Darnell Nurse on the breakaway, 14 seconds left. How many times have you ever said that? Darnell Nurse on the breakaway snipes it on Reimer, who played a phenomenal game. Oilers <laughs> come back when 5-4. Phenomenal. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? And it's it's so hype. And I love that it happened. I love that Nurse was the one that scored. A leadership guy, you know, gets a lot of flack. Oh, yeah. I love that he scored that goal. But also, Nuge was against the board. They lost the puck. Yamo was back against behind him. So the entire front of the Oilers net was all clear. So I don't know why Nurse was going forward, cheating for that breakaway. I think there was 14 seconds left, and I think it was just a Hail Mary. Uh, so that's what I genuinely think. I don't know. I think also, like I'm glad you brought up Yamo, because I do think this was one of Yamo's better games. Obviously got the goal. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I was pretty happy with the way that Yamo played tonight. And what I loved about that Yamamoto goal was, first mm-hmm. off, the it all started with an Ekholm shot that Yamamoto tipped, right? So he tipped the shot. Obviously, that first one didn't go in, but he followed through, was able to get into position. McDavid fed him. It was a messy pass because a couple of sticks were in the way, but he was ready for that. So I, I hate it when NHL players watch the puck after they've done their part. Like, oh, it's it's left my stick. I'm... I'm just going to watch now for a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is why like Zach Hyman is such a dog. Like he is an incredible player because he's always ready. He's always prepared for the next step to happen. So yeah. it, like Yamamoto, if he's able to build on that, like build on a little bit of momentum here, he could be a scary force going into playoffs. Cause all I know is everyone needs to contribute at times on this podcast. We've said, Fogel might deserve the spot more than Yamamoto. Well, and I'm I'm glad you said Fogel's name, actually, because I want to even Fogel's play on the first Oilers goal was so impressive to not just shoot that puck and hold up and wait, pass it to Bukestad backdoor for the tap and right. I've been so impressed with Warren Fogel over the last like now, what is it like 15 games? He's played his best, like consistent hockey as an Oiler. Like they're getting depth. You're right. And Yamo today 
Vogel today, uh, up and down the lineup. Like, yeah, like you said, I like I want to create the way you opened the show. It was the Ekholms, it was the nurses, McDavid at two assists, whatever. That's nothing. 136 points, not a big deal. But like it's just it's you're getting contributions from everyone up and down the lineup. Did they have their best game? No, I thought McDavid was honestly fighting the puck earlier, bobbling it mm. on breakaways, right? He wasn't really making as crisp passes as you necessarily would associate with Connor McDavid. Darnell Nurse or that early in the game and break out of the corner. They just looked like they couldn't get that puck on the stick. It was bouncing. Like it was just a very choppy hot game early on. Yeah. Like it was the puck was hopping around a lot throughout the course of the game, but like this is this is it's Rogers place. It's your home. Like you should be able to settle things down, just adjust your play. Honestly, this this game from top to bottom, I'm going to say was the team playing poorly in the beginning and then the team getting re reforming themselves around Campbell in the third period and overtime. Like first two periods, I don't think anyone with the exception of maybe the Bukestag Fogel Yanmark line, everyone else was kind of mid to bad. And then from the third period on, everyone picked up their play lowest common denominator Jack Campbell stops every shot that he faced from the third period on. And that's, that's all you need against the San Jose sharks that will cut it. It won't do against playoff teams, but for this game, they, they did it. They made it work. I think it's going to be, you're going to honestly, it's probably going to be a similar effort against Arizona on Wednesday, win or lose, but it'll be something like this. But then against Vegas on Saturday, that's when you see another game like against Boston or like you played against Toronto or against Winnipeg and you, where you really took it to a team that's a very good contender because Vegas has not been losing. LA has not been losing. And those are going to be super interesting. David in the chat says, What's with Clem Costin? And yeah, Clem Costin's definitely falling back down to earth. He was on a little bit of a shooting percentage heater, as we like to say. I think the PDO was a little way too high. Uh, well, there's that for his offensive production, but the cycle and the sort of physicality, he started yeah. to take a little bit of a step back, but that's natural because uh, the way that he plays, you're going to get a couple bumps and a couple bruises. He had a couple injuries, right? So that happens and you you start to dial your game back a little bit now he's still an offensive force like last game he was hitting some guys and and he was a force when he was on the ice but you can't have that every single night for an 82 game season of course you came in midway through the season but you can't do that for all 82 games i'd rather he recover a little bit like hyman did a couple games ago if you need to take a break just take a break we have bodies right now in my ideal playoff lineup, Clem Costin is not starting game one. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Like, there's a lot of depth on this team. So, so if you take out a Costin, like, honestly. There's three, two guys that need to come back in, I believe, for the playoff lineup. And they're playing 12 and 6. So yeah. who are the who would you take out? Well, take out, it, it's tough, right? Definitely, I think Clem Costin, it it depends on who your first round opponent is. If it's going to be like an LA, you're going to need a guy like Costin because he's maybe going to have to protect a couple of guys. And I understand that. And I see that point, And I think it could be valuable. Now, the thing that irritate, it doesn't irritate me. I think the thing that worries me with Clem Costin is we've seen a propensity to take that unnecessary penalty 
from time to time with Clem Costin, right? Like, I feel like he does draw a considerable amount, but I feel like he also takes way more penalties than he necessarily should. I think he might have been better in it the last four or five games that he's played in, but that is something that in the playoffs against a team that has, um, who did LA? Didn't they pick up like Zach McEwen or even a team like Derek that Vegas can yeah. get under your skin? Uh, that worries me that Clem Costin might take an undisciplined penalty. And I do think, like, if you're swapping winger for winger, Dylan Holloway is a much better option in terms of who is going to get you a goal. I know Clem Costin has more goals on the year, but I put my money on Dylan Holloway creating offense and sustaining that pressure away from the Oilers' net. And then obviously Ryan McLeod has to come back in as well. Absolutely. And and here's the thing. If you're thinking about who he's going to play with, right, we've seen some really good stuff come out of Holloway, Ryan, and Shore. Like that, that trio has looked good before Holloway, you know, had to get sent down for cap reasons and then get injured. Like, I honestly think this is, I've said it before in, in past shows, this is some of the best depth the Oilers have had in years, like a decade. Oh my God. Yeah. And this is I, 1987. Yeah, and I joked in chat. Um, Michael Kerber asked me to replace my Tricital jersey with an Ekholm jersey. Yeah. I'm, I might before Ekholm, I might get a Derek Ryan jersey because he's U of been a Golden Bear legend. U of a Golden Bear legend. He's been playing amazing this year, and obviously his contract's up, so maybe it wouldn't be the most safe jersey mm-hmm. to buy but yeah like uh, Derek ryan's been playing great shore and yanmark they've been up and down but shore recently has been really good yanmark still has that that potential to score shorthanded goals on penalty kills so fine let keep yanmark in the lineup hard decisions from jay woodcroft are a good thing <laughs> well I, yeah and i think yanmark is good on the penalty kill and i know yanmark can have his warts and have bad games and sometimes you get frustrated with a play here and a play there but i think overall there's more like he is a good bottom six fourth line guy like i think he provides a positive value on the penalty kill like personally i like i like that when you see him out there with ryan Eugene Hopkins. i think they're overall pretty effective i like when you see him out there with a ryan mcleod on the penalty kill i think He's a mobile enough skater. He's a very deceptively mobile skater, Ryan McLeod. Uh, it's Aaron Ryan or Matthias Yanmark. Sorry. Matthias Yanmark. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think there is, you're, like you said, there's going to be interesting combinations. Here's a shot in the dark. A couple injuries happen. Like Raphael Lavoie lit the AHL on fire. Like you never know. Like I understand you can't call him up for the regular season, but like, man, so that could be a rabbit you pull out of your hat. He'll definitely be a black ace. And, he seems to have that touch. And I know, like, think about it. Dylan Holloway was with the others, like, all last playoffs. And I think he played three minutes in game four of a series where they were going to get swept. Like, there's all, I think there's almost zero chance, barring injury, that Raphael LaBall plays. But, like, again, they have more depth and more options than we've ever thought before. Like, everyone's talking in the chat. And we've got to highlight it one more time. Matias Ekholm, absolute beast. He's, like, plus 75 since he came to Edmonton. He's got... A mil- he's got more points this year than he has in his entire career. Check the facts. I'm telling the truth. And it's not only his own stats. It's the entire defensive core around him, the entire offense that's being able to break out because of these beautiful passes. Like, Ekholm's just mm-hmm. a beauty. Yeah, Ekholm's been... I thought he was going to be good. I was a little... Like, I was... Obviously, everyone knows who watches. I was very much on the Jacob Chicken Shade. Uh, I, I was, I'd say I was probably like 
60-40 in favor of Chikrin. Echo uh, who shut never me heard up, of him. made me look stupid. Like, <laughs> man, everything Mati- Matias Ekholm has been so valuable to this team. And he's been oh, everything you could ask for from the offense to the defense to the transition play. You literally could not write up a better scenario in which this guy plays. Like, oh, what a lovable, awesome person to have on your team. Just the way he scores goals. He's not afraid to get up in the play, join the rush take a shot he creates so much like i i don't know i've i love him i think he's been so good and the beard the beard as well we can't the forget Viking about the beard. beard it brings up morale it makes it get, brings up your grit per 60 by in uh, mcdavid levels you know after after he scored that second one mcdavid got a nice rub up against that beard oh yeah just wait till <laughs> we get to the playoffs and leon starts growing out his beard again wow. oh my god that they'll the, if they're not going to kill you on the ice, they'll kill him with facial hair. They have they have <laughs> oh, some of the most beautiful facial hair in the NHL. It doesn't get better than those two at home and dry sidle. So you know, yeah. it's sadly, sadly, I uh, I don't got the chops. I don't got the genetics to grow it out <laughs> like you do. But uh, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll pull off a, a Vinny DeHarnay, a, yeah, uh, a Ryan Nugent Hopkins sort of stash. Exactly. Yeah, you can pull <laughs> off the Ryan Nugent Hopkins baby face so well. It it, it looks good on you. I love I love the fact that Jay Woodcroft when you know when he was asked about uh, Baby Nuge on the way, I love the fact that he had the the gall to just be like, oh yeah, you know Nuge, he's barely shaven now he's having a kid. I love that the fact that the coach is able to just joke around and have fun with players. Oh yeah, incredible stuff. That you could tell they, it, it, they're definitely into a point that this the dressing room is really close, but. It's getting down to business time, and you could see they're everyone's starting to pick it up. Like especially Drysaddle, I thought again today he was really good. Um, even Philip Broberg, I thought Philip Broberg had a worse game than he did, but like because when I think back to the game, I think that one play where a San Jose guy in like third period muscled Broberg um, off the puck when he Broberg yeah. was trying to start a breakout and ended up getting like a two on one chance. But I think it was Vlasic who said someone who shot it over the net. Uh, but Philip Broberg think... ended up controlling like 56% of the expected goals and he's on the ice and he was on for a goal for and one goal against and yeah I think he was on the, the ice for the Lorenz breakaway but mm. you know what the the entire team was not playing well in the first and like yeah most of the second period so yeah. scratch that up to the boys pulling it off when they needed to um, it's it's great to see once again like Jeremy Koopel who's up looking at the videos he's able to call back three goals against i, I tweeted it out earlier today campbell and koopal what a tantum <laughs> oh yeah campbell if, i mean if every jack campbell start jeremy koopal can do this I, i'm comfortable <laughs> but um all right let's let's start wrapping it up um obviously oh i forgot i forgot to mention as we were talking about team camaraderie they showed it during the game but um vander kane about to welcome a, a, a fourth child <laughs> into the world. Is uh, it third? I think it's his third. Third? Yeah, I think oh, it's yeah, third, third. third. Sorry. Third. Giving him too much credit. <laughs> too much credit. Uh, yeah, third. So, um, congratulations. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that the Oilers were also able to make it a little bit special during the gender reveal announcement. Uh, yeah. McDavid, could you could you show up for that in like oh. something other than I shorts and a t-shirt? It. That's Pete Connor McDavid right there. Connor, what do I want him in a suit for a Vander Kane's gender reveal? I love that he was in his workout gear. That's his personality there, my friend. It, it That's how like he's growing he... the game. It looked like he works <laughs> at the rink. Dude, that you put ice spice over that over that when McDavid walks out there? 
That's all I gotta say. But um, uh, all right. So yeah, um, um, great stuff there. And also, Ryan um, Hopkins having a kid as well. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, baby Nuge. Uh, so it's great to see everyone on the team is is gelling together. Uh, it's good news. Hopefully, they get into a deep, deep playoff push. But um, Zach, did you did you have a, a, a stick tap? Anything you wanted to shout out today? Oh yeah, I got two here. So Dennis and I talked before the show. We've been absolutely horrible this year about bringing this up. But I know on the first show we said this that uh, at the end of the year we were going to make a donation to Ben Stelter's charity uh, for the number of one dollar for every single goal that the Oilers have scored this season. Now I wasn't able to pull it up before the show started we try and just get it going so quick and i was slightly lazy with that so if someone next show who's watching right now wants to go come in the chat tell me how many goals the others have scored and then we can keep track of it until the end of the season and then after game 82 after the show dennis and i will donate that amount of money to the ben Selter fund it, um, it looks like, and someone please correct me if I'm wrong, tweet at us. Uh, it looks like goals for is 279 on the year. They would be number one in the NHL. So if it's yeah. the top of the thing, then there you go. If um, if I'm wrong, please tweet at us. Zach, yeah. where can they tweet at you? Oh, <laughs> uh, you can tweet me at ZWill97. But last show, I also I didn't plug the SDPM merch. So I want to say if you get want to get a beautiful <laughs> game of revenue Wait, shirt, scooch, like scooch this, over a little. The right? No, no, other way, other way. There we go. So yeah, if you want to get a beautiful over game over Edmonton shirt, you can get them on sdpnshop.ca. Am there I correct? we go. Yes, and <laughs> yeah, uh, Travis it. in the chat is two seventy nine. So next show, come back. Let me know every show how many games, how many goals they get, and being me and Dennis at the end of the year, we'll make that donation. Rock uh, on. Yeah. So you can get this shirt sdpnshop.ca, and you can also tweet at me at zwheel ninety seven on Twitter. That was a Shoppy extra, much like the Oilers' first period, but we can just like the Oilers, we will got through it. Dennis, where can they find you? And also, do you have any more sick tops or not? Nah, I, I right do, here. but hey, you can you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Dennis Lee Y E G. I can't promise that all of my tweets are going to be as good as this one, but I wanted to highlight at the end of the show here. Uh, great tweet by Luke Prokop. Um, obviously national or nashville predators draft pick tweeted out a, a solid message about pride night what it means to him as an lgbtq member and it, it's fantastic i can't even hope to bring the same sort of um complexity of emotion to it so i will let you go ahead and search that up on your own time or read it on our, twi our twitter timelines uh that is it for us tonight Next game is Wednesday, March 22nd against the Arizona Coyotes it in Edmonton. At midnight. Yeah, it's it's at 8:30 Mountain Time, so the show will probably get to around midnight. Um it'll be Zach and I though, so we're going to have a fun time. Hopefully chat you're if you're uh, able to make it, that's fantastic. And if you're listening uh, again non-live, if you're listening to it on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, see if you can make a show. Maybe you live in Europe or some or, or Asia and you can make a one of these late late night shows. Yeah, jeez. That's it for us tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, yeah, let's wrap it up with a solid Layla Bamba, baby. baby. Good night. Bye-bye. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.